you know someone is unhinged when Lucy Ricardo is telling them to calm down. But here we are. It's time for Ricky Thinks He's Going Bald. beautiful Tropicanas. Welcome back to the Ricardo Project, the podcast where we watch through I Love Lucy episode by episode and talk about its historical, emotional, and comedic impact. My name is Dana, and I am so happy that you've joined me today for season one, episode 34, Ricky Thinks He's Going Bald, which premiered 70 years ago today on June 2nd, 1952. Let's get straight into it. Here's what happens, and Ricky thinks he's going bald. We open with Lucy getting ready for bed, and she's showcasing those giant eyes as she looks in the mirror, which is actually just the camera. And I just want to say, Lucy looks stunning this entire episode. Like, what a beautiful episode for Lucille Ball. She looks amazing in it. She just has, I don't know, there's something about her this 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 episode. She just looks so gorgeous. Which is ironic because she laments to Ricky that she is not a cute little chicken anymore. She has crow's feet now. And Ricky says that she's beautiful. And Lucy says, you know, she knew this day would come when she had crow's feet and Ricky's hair started to recede. And that's okay, though, because if if he thinks she's beautiful, that's really all that matters. But all Ricky heard was that his hair was starting to recede and he freaks out and he decides that he is balding, like going bald. It's imminent danger of losing his hair. Lucy tries to brush it off and say it's just an expression and that he's fine, but Ricky is in a full-fledged panic. Interestingly, Lucy, the one who normally is like off the hinges, is very calm and she's like, you are completely nuts. But he's obsessed and he can barely sleep that night and he's just having a really hard time. So the next morning, Lucy's made breakfast, and Ricky comes out, and he's wearing a hat in the kitchen, and Lucy is like, you're being a freak. Why are you being this way? She even puts on a bowler hat to show him how silly he looks, and we get this really good moment where the toast, as we all know, my favorite little um, common bit of I Love Lucy, the toast shoots out of the toaster, and Lucy catches it in the bowler hat that she's wearing to give to Ricky. It's The timing of that whole bit is like comedy gold in three seconds. It's so funny. So she asked him again, why are you wearing this stupid hat? And he says that it's so he doesn't get stared at for his receding hairline. I mean, he's being very dramatic. He's acting as though he's bald as a cue ball and it happened out of nowhere. And there's a big sign pointing to him saying, check out my head. I don't know because I'm not, I'm not a a man, but I, I, I'm glad that It seems to me that we've moved past this really insane weirdness about balding, and I'm very glad about that. Um, Any of my male listeners, let me know if that's true or if this like weird, horrible stigma about balding is still there for you. Personally, I think a bald head can be very sophisticated. I like it. Anyway, Ricky leaves for work. And the Mertzes show up, and Lucy tells them what's going on. And Ethel just laughs at the idea that Ricky thinks he's going bald. But Fred... (laughs) Fred is like, this is serious. As a man who has, you know, started the balding process, I understand. And they roast the hell out of him. They're like, dude, you don't have any hair at all. He tries to pull down the little bit of hair that he still has left. He's like, it's basically covering my eyes. It's very cute. It's very silly. 
Lucy thinks that maybe a way to get Ricky to realize he's not going bald is to invite someone who's like seriously bald over to compare and contrast. And they try to ask Fred, but it's just like too awkward. And instead she just offers him some coffee. Fred points out at this point that Ricky is about to try a bunch of hair restoration things. Everything that Fred says sounds really, really messy. The phrase burning the scalp is used. And I don't know what that means, but I don't like it. It's icky. Lucy likes it too much. She decides that she's going to torture him with these tactics and that will snap him out of it. So she goes to what I can only describe as a bald person, a bald man store. Um, it's Maybe it's a drugstore, but it seems like it specializes in hair restoration treatments. Um, the owner is a man named Mr. Thurlow. And he there's a there's a very funny bit where he thinks that she's actually there for herself. She's just pretending to be there for her husband, which kind of cracked me up. He he even suggests that maybe he could help her pick out a better looking wig. And he, you know, she, he pulls on her hair and when he realizes it's not a wig, that's when he kind of gives up. So Lucy asks him for the stuff that smells the worst and hurts the most. But the next day she tells Ethel that she she couldn't go through with it. It just like didn't feel right to her. And Ethel points out that the original idea of having, you know, a bunch of like bald people for Ricky to see the difference, you know, was a fine idea. So she calls Mr. Thurlow again and asks him to basically says, can you collect some bald men for me? Which is like a wild ask, but okay. So they all show up later that night and Mr. Thurlow says that he had to promise that Lucy would make them dinner or give them dinner. And that they would each get $10 a piece. And again, welcome to Dana's Inflation Station. Um, That's like $1,000 total because there's 10 of them coming. That's 1000 bucks. Uh, like it's so much money that Lucy uses her emergency fund, which I was like, is this really an emergency? Just like let him work through the phase, Lucy. But whatever. Plots are plots and we have to move forward. So she gets out the money. She gives it to Mr. Thurlow to distribute. Mr. Thurlow removes his beautiful hair. Turns out it's a wig and he takes his own $10 because business isn't going so great. Fred also shows up and he is wearing like a stunning hair piece. He looks so good with his hair. It's all wavy and cute. He looks great. I think if you're familiar with the Lucy Desi Comedy Hour, I think this is the same hairpiece that he wears in that. Um, there's an episode of the Lucy Desi Comedy Hour that's a flashback to when Lucy and Ricky first met, and they they meet the Mertzes because, of course, they do. And Fred has hair in that, and it, I think it's the same one. I'm going to have to do some reconnaissance. Maybe I'll post on Instagram if I can find a side-by-side. So they're all ready. Lucy is out $100, her entire emergency fund. And at that exact moment, Ricky calls and says that he won't be able to come home because he has too much work. So Lucy is forced to do the torture system because there's just no other options at this point, apparently. So we cut to later. Lucy is prepping all of this nightmarish stuff. And Ricky comes in wearing a beret, which is like, honestly, my favorite sight gag of the whole episode. He looks adorable in this beret and also insanely out of place. It's it's not on his head properly. It's like pulled down very far. He looks not at all like a French poet, but more like, I don't know, your weird cousin who 
went to Europe once and came back and did a lot of like, the thing about France is, do you know what I mean? So they begin the torture treatments. Lucy goes to town. She has this like vibrating thing that she puts on his head to wake up his scalp. And she uses an electric brush that clearly gives him like a horrible crick in his neck. Then she uses this like scalp roller thing that ends up going like completely over his eyes. She gives him a stocking to wear and he puts it like all the way down his head, like pulls it over his face and he looks so scary. Then she puts oil, vinegar, and cracks two eggs on his scalp and basically beats him with a whisk to the point that Ricky actually says, why don't you just add some anchovies and make a Caesar salad, which is a really good line. And then finally she uses a plunger on his head and then dumps this like creamy mustard sauce on him, slams the stocking on, and then a heat cap. He looks ridiculous. It looks disgusting and messy. He has to like hold a tray under his chin while she's doing all this so that all the stuff can drip down. Ugh. Ugh, it's so gross. And she tells him they have to do that every other night for six months. I mean, it's a short routine, but it sounds horrible. But Ricky, of course says that his scalp is tingling and that they should do it every night. And that way it'll work faster. And we roll the credits. We have no resolution. That's the episode. It's a pretty simple episode. It's got very few there. I mean, I love Lucy rarely has a B plot, but it's got very few kind of uh, detours. It's pretty straightforward, very inconsequential. So I want to talk about this episode in context with Jess Oppenheimer's relationship to this episode because honestly, a lot of my reaction is related to what Jess Oppenheimer says. So we're going to blend our historical notes and our reaction a little bit this week because I kind of think you can't do one without the other, considering that we have a little more episode commentary than I usually do. I'm going to share the link where I found this. This is from Paper Moon Loves Lucy, which is a Tumblr that I get a lot of my trivia from. Um, And it's a really great resource if you want to read a bunch of stuff, but I'll share the link in in the um, description of the episode. So this episode was apparently inspired by Jess Oppenheimer, who was bald and he felt the need to use these like weird devices, um, including some of the devices that were actually used. These weren't made-up devices that were being used in the episode. These were all real things. Maybe not all used at once. (laughs) I don't know if like the creamy mustard Caesar salad thing was used, but all of the devices, like the machines, those were real. Um, And Jess Oppenheimer actually used the one that like massages Ricky's eyebrows apparently. So it was inspired by this. But he apparently later said that this was a perfect example of how not to do an episode of I Love Lucy because it had Ricky as the center of attention and Lucy played the, you know, concerned housewife. Desi did the slapstick. Lucy was reacting. So really what he's saying is Lucy should not be the straight man in her own show. She should always be the comic relief and Ricky should be the straight man or Ethel should be the straight man or Fred. Somebody else should be reacting to what Lucy's doing. And this episode is really in Jess Oppenheimer's mind, Lucy reacting to Ricky. I don't a hundred percent agree with that. I think that Lucy's desire to get Ricky together is driving the plot of the show, which is 
pretty standard for I Love Lucy, that like whatever Lucy thinks should be the outcome is what drives the plot. And I think that's successful. But I see his point. He was a showrunner of the show. I'm not trying to argue with him. I'm just thinking about it from my own reaction. So the quote from Jess Oppenheimer about it is, the best Lucy episodes always focused on Lucy and her problems or idiosyncrasies. If anyone was going to get goop spilled all over her, it had to be Lucy. And I do agree with that. I mean, I think that is kind of, I don't have a problem with this episode. Um, I don't necessarily think that it's like the example of how not to do a Lucy episode. I think honestly, like there have been other episodes that I didn't like, you know, that I had issues with comedically. Be a Pal, honestly, was really disappointing to me. It's only the second episode of the show, too, which is very awkward. Um, because they, it's, to me, the, the episodes that are great examples of how not to do a Lucy episode are the ones that betray the character of Lucy Ricardo, betray her intelligence, betray her agency. And in this one, she has agency. She, you know, she is driving everything. But I do agree that it's pretty tough to have an episode where Ricky is the one who's overreacting and Lucy is the straight man in her own show. When we've established a different kind of relationship setup and expectation. I think that that Desi Arnaz does, an, does a fine job as the comedic slapstick performer and I think that Lucille Ball does a really good job as the calm wife who's like, oh, this crazy husband of mine. And it's interesting to think that this kind of dynamic, the dynamic set up in this episode, is what most sitcoms have. You know, most sitcoms that that I think of, I, when we think of like famous shows, are they're, they're, one of the major sitcom tropes is like, the nagging wife with the husband who gets into shenanigans with his friends. You know, this idea that the man is the comic relief and the wife maybe says makes some biting commentary, which Lucy does in this episode, and kind of goes about her business. And I guess I didn't realize how different this show was from most sitcom structures. But this episode weirdly made me think of The King of Queens. And I was like, oh, this episode is what sitcoms kind of thought they had to be. These like man children who go crazy and their wives roll their eyes at them and then try to like get one over on them maybe and maybe it works and maybe it doesn't. And I Love Lucy is so singularly different than that because I Love Lucy is, in my opinion, about so much more and we're also completely rejecting that dynamic. I Love Lucy is about, yes, a woman who is kind of wild and she's kooky and she's different. And I think a lot of the discourse around I Love Lucy, as I've said before, is about how Lucy is infantilized and Lucy's not very smart and Lucy's um, not a great representation for women and blah, 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 blah. I heartily disagree with that. I've said this many times. For me, I Love Lucy is a show about a woman's ambition, and that ambition isn't always about her career. Sometimes that ambition is about her getting control over her house again. Sometimes her ambition is like in The Kleptomaniac, where she just really wants to host this bazaar, and Ricky doesn't want her to, so she works around it, and then when that doesn't go well, you know, she kind of re-navigates herself. 
this is a show about a woman and the way that she navigates the world. And it's also a show about domesticity and a very different kind of domesticity. It's a show about, you know, four best friends who live together in a building. And it's a show about a, a couple that and that is truly in love and, and their shenanigans. It's it's about so much more than this like sitcom trope. And it feels like this episode is is weirdly a blueprint for those tropes. And that's why it doesn't necessarily work as well as other episodes. But I do think that Lucille Ball is such a star that it's still fine. It's still fun. Is it really a great example of an I Love Lucy episode? No. But it's still better than The King of Queens, which I have watched many times on airplanes. <laughs> and it's it's still better than so many versions of the domestic sitcom. So I think it's definitely worth a watch. I think Jess Oppenheimer was really hard on this episode. I don't blame him. It probably felt very vulnerable to be doing an episode about baldness and be like, oh, this was inspired by my own struggles and it's not even that good of an episode. Oh, yay, yay. And I think his his critiques on why it didn't work are absolutely true and fair. Um, but I also think that there's, you know, some really fun things that they're exploring. Um, but I think last week's episode and next week's episode are better examples of what makes I Love Lucy, I Love Lucy, and what makes it tick. So let's just transition right into historical notes. So the other thing that was really interesting about this episode is that it was actually a completely different plot when it was filmed. So the the um, the home remedies section where with all the machines, that was actually in the middle of the episode. Basically, the scene with the bald man party and the scene with the torture system were flipped. And it ended with Ricky calling Lucy and saying, you know, oh, I can't come home, but I... I, you know, but you know what? I'm over the baldness thing because I saw a picture of myself from 15 years ago and I think I have more hair now than I did then. And that's the end. It's not a very satisfying button. And when Jess Oppenheimer watched the final cut, he realized that it just wasn't good and that the scene in the kitchen with all the devices um, was going to be a better comedic high point, you know? In in comedy, the climax is almost always wherever the highest laughter point is, you know, wherever the biggest chaos point is, wherever the biggest upswing um, of raucousness is. And that's obviously going to be when Lucy is making a Caesar salad on Ricky's head. And then the denouement is, is her, you know, telling him, well, we got to do this every other night. And then him saying, let's do it every night. Uh, and I love Lucy the Denouement is usually pretty fast, actually. That's something I've noticed in this rewatch that <laughs> they usually go into chaos and then they wrap it up in 10 seconds and we hit the credits. But um, but I thought this was a really interesting kind of behind the scenes thing. So he and Bob Carroll and Madeline Pugh, the writers of every episode of the series, wrote a couple of you know new scenes that they filmed really fast and then they re-edited it. So the scene where Ethel comes in and asks how it went, she says, oh, I, I just couldn't do it. And Ethel says, oh, I thought your original idea was good. That was just a little throwaway button scene. A couple final historical notes, just little fun things. Uh, this, <laughs> The idea for Ricky to pull the stocking over his head and look really scary was a real-life anecdote. Uh, on Halloween one year, friends of Lucy and Desi's came over and they were wearing stockings over their head and it just like terrified Lucy. So they kind of threw this in as a sight gag, which is fun. 
And finally, Mr. Thurlow, who plays the owner of the shop uh, where Lucy buys the products, is played by an actor named Milton Parsons. This is his only appearance on the show, but he appeared in four films with William Frawley, including the movie Roxy Hart, which was the basis for the hit musical Chicago, as I'm sure many of my beloved theater nerds already noticed. And... That movie was starring Ginger Rogers, who was an old friend of Lucy's from her early days in Hollywood. She was very close, actually, to Ginger Rogers' mother. Uh, Maybe I'll do a a bonus episode during the hiatus about Ginger Rogers and Lucille Ball. What a fun group. They were in this movie called Stage Door Together, which is a great play and a fine movie. But it's really fun to see all of these, like, Hollywood starlets who end up becoming legends in it. Anyway, (laughs) that's it. Next week, we'll be watching Ricky Asks for a Raise, which is our season finale. I can't believe it. Here is the logline for Ricky Asks for a Raise. At Lucy's insistence, Ricky attempts to pressure his boss into giving him a raise, which gets him fired. With the help of Fred's old vaudeville friend and his quick change cabinet, Lucy, Ethel, and Fred don various disguises and pose as clubgoers who will storm out when they hear that Ricky has been let go. Y'all, I hope you're ready for a monologue about what a king Fred Mertz is again, because uh, this episode is amazing. Toxic masculinity, where? Because there's gender bending. There's not a ounce of toxic masculinity in sight. I love this episode. Not just because of Fred, though. But um, I hope it holds up. Now that I've like said that, I feel like I'm cursing it. Anyway, that's it for this week. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Tell your friends. These are the absolute best ways to help the show. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Ricardo Project. It means more to me than you know. It's filmed in my home in the Hudson Valley of New York State with a beautiful cat sitting next to me. If you'd like to get in touch for any reason whatsoever, I would be honored to hear from you. You can reach me on Instagram at The Ricardo Project, on Twitter at Ricardo underscore project, and by email at Project at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, you can do so by making a one-time donation on uh, PayPal. The link is in the description below. If you'd like to buy a book from my bookshop shop, that's a great way to get a very interesting piece of reading material and support the show financially at the same time at no additional cost to you. So go ahead and check out that link below as well. And if there's a book on that list that you think would be interesting to your fellow listeners, please let me know. I'll add it. I'm I'm happy to do so. I'd love recommendations. Again, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast and telling a friend about it. Have a wonderful weekend and we'll be back next week. Thank you.